So my name is Melanie. If we haven't met officially yet or in person, I'm really thrilled to be with you tonight. And it is an absolute privilege and a pleasure to speak on Easter Sunday. Um, I've done it a couple of times and every time it just blows me away being able to talk about like, like, to be honest, the greatest man I know. And it, like, he has utterly transformed my life. And so it is it's such an honor to be able to talk about him tonight with you. So if you've got a Bible, you can open it up now to Luke 24. If you don't have one, don't worry, I'm going to read it to you. If you don't have a Bible and would like a Bible, we'd love to sort that out for you. So if you think, oh, I don't have a Bible, I would love to have, I would love to get one in your hands. So you're welcome to pop in the chat. I'd like a Bible and we will sort that out. I, I would love to do that. So I'm going to read Luke 24 verses 1 to 8. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says this, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking, I love this, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He is not here, he has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. We are looking tonight at those seven words. He is not here. He has risen. They are seven words that come out of the tomb. And I don't know what you're like as a person. So I am a questioner. So I just question everything. Whenever people are talking, I have like a million questions going on in my head. I sometimes find it really difficult to keep them in. And sometimes I'm like, I'm jumping in because I literally, sometimes I feel like my head would physically explode sometimes. So if you're ever talking to me and I'm kind of jerking a bit, it is literally because I'm trying to keep all my questions in my head. Um, uh, some people might call it nosy. I like to think that I'm inquisitive. Um, and I do tend to, when I'm chatting with people, just, just ask question after question and just, just draw out good stuff. Because I, I, I genuinely, people fascinate me. What goes on in their head fascinates me. So when I read the Bible, generally, I've got the same thing going on. I've got a million questions that I, I'm just going... What's going on there? What happened there? I wonder what they felt like. I want, and it, and it, it literally sometimes is so noisy in my head. So I was thinking, well, if I was approaching this for the first time, he is not here. He has risen. Those seven words. What questions would I be asking? And so that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to talk you through some of the questions that go on in my head. My expectation is that through this, God will speak to you. 
that he'll say he'll say some things that are just for you that you will feel like oh my goodness like like that line that phrase that that thing is just for you the way that I speak generally is you might not take loads of notes um, as if I was a teacher you would probably write down things that God has spoken to you about personally that you think oh that really got me I want to do something about that and that's like we have lots of different people that preach in real life church that's kind of my style or, or how I roll so my first question is when it says he has risen who is he and 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 because it doesn't name him there uh, obviously we know it's Jesus but I'd be going who's the he why has it got a capital H? There are things that just go, go on in my head. So who is he? And clearly the two dazzling men, the angels, know all about him. They know exactly who he is. Clearly all of heaven knows all about him. And so I wanted to describe him to you. And I was trying to work out how, how would I describe him? Because quite frankly, like I find him, he, he totally blows my mind regularly. And I sometimes can't gather up the words to describe just how incredible my saviour is. And so I thought I'm going to borrow some of the words that he uses to describe himself. So all I've done is I've just taken a few of the titles or the names that Jesus uses in the Gospels to describe himself. So like if I met you for the first time, I would say I'm Melanie. Some people say, oh, hi, Mel. And then they go, oh, do you like to be called Mel? And I go, actually, I really love being called Melanie, even though lots of people call me Mel. I'm fine with Mel, but actually my favourite name for me is Melanie. So Jesus had a favourite name that he loved to be called and that he called himself. So it was son of man. So if I wanted to describe him to you, I, and I borrowed some of his phrases, I would borrow this one first, Son of Man. And it's an Old Testament title that basically perfectly sums up who he is. It's taken from a vision that Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, that Daniel, is taken from a vision that Daniel saw as, as he saw the Son of Man. He said he saw him in all glory, with all power and all authority. So it tells us that that this man is fully man and fully God. He's the God man. And I think Jesus liked to use it because it gave a little nod back to the Old Testament. So loads of the Jews would have understood what he was talking about. But it also says I'm, I'm fully man and I'm fully God in just one title, basically. He then he sometimes calls himself I am which would have sent the Jews crazy because it was a title reserved only for God. So for someone to say it was blasphemy if they were not God. They could have rightly been stoned to death, but he, he described himself as it. So he was saying, I'm eternal. I, I've always been. It's an outrageous title, but Jesus happily described himself as it. He described himself as the life. It's why he couldn't stay in the tomb. You can't be called the life and then die. So he is life and life in all its fullness. He describes himself as the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And he rescues her and he saves her and he seeks her and he's coming back for her. He's passionate. 
He's, he's a man who is in love. He's a man who has something that is precious to him. I have to be honest, you cannot love Jesus and hate church. The two don't go together. It would be like me saying um, of a groom, oh, I really like you, don't like your bride. Sorry, not loving her. Like it's, it's outrageous to love Jesus is to love the church because actually he is super passionate about it. And sometimes when there's a, an issue there with church that has let you down or church, you actually have to go back and face the bridegroom. You have to go back and go to him and go, okay, like you obviously adore this thing. Like help me, help me get there. So he loves her. It also struck me because he's a bridegroom. If you are after a man in your life that is going nowhere, is, is going to always rock up, is going to always be there, is going to remain true to his word, is going to show up time and time again, is going to be true and faithful and just outstanding. You need to look no further than the bridegroom, Jesus. He describes himself as the gate he says, I'm the gate. He's the way to God. His life, death and resurrection literally open up a gate and it's one gate in. It's a narrow gate. It's the only way that people are getting right with God is through him. No one gets to God except through this gate. He describes himself as the good shepherd, which means he lays down his life for his sheep. But you should know this man. He is outrageously good. He describes himself as the light of the world. So he deals with darkness. Where he stands, darkness retreats. It literally cannot stand in the presence of an almighty God. So if you are living in darkness, you need to have him in. You need to have the light of the world in. He describes himself as Lord and teacher. So he has all authority to teach into everything which means that what he says about something is the final word. He's the Messiah and the Christ. The Jews would have understood this to mean he was the anointed one, the appointed one by God to do his will. That's what he was doing on the cross. That's what was happening when he, he, he was held there with nails is he wasn't subject to the Roman rule. He was subject to the father's will. He was doing what had been asked of him, what was required of him. And he's the vine. I love this one. So we are supposed to cling on to that, grow out of that. We are supposed to remain a part of that. When we're looking at the he in he has risen, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's Jesus. The angels knew that. All heaven knew that. The women at the tomb knew that. Peter knew that as he ran into that place, the disciples, when he showed up, they knew, to be honest, millions and millions of people around the world know him to be Jesus. The next question I would have is, what do you mean he's not here? So they obviously watched their saviour die. They obviously saw him go into the tomb. They obviously knew that the stone was placed in front. They obviously knew it was being guarded, but he is not here. And this comes back to partly because he is called the life. He can't stay there. He can't stay dead because he is fully man, but he's also fully God. He is eternal. 
All those things that he said about himself means that he cannot stay in the grave. But I felt like tonight God wanted us to know that there are many places that he cannot stay that you will not find him. So I wanted to run through a few of them. So if your Bible reading is dry, boring, hard work, he is not there because he has risen. So when we read that book, when we get into its pages, we are encountering a risen Lord Jesus. So something is off if your Bible reading is dry, and I don't mean that it's hard work, because anything worth having is hard work, any relationship, any anything you do in life, if you are remaining single and honouring God with your whole life, I guarantee you that is hard work, if you are trying to be married and honouring God, I, I guarantee you that is, if you're telling me it's not hard work, honestly I don't think you're doing it right if if you are raising children it is hard work if you are trying to be honorable in the workplace it is hard work if you are living in community with anybody who's different to you it is hard work anything worth having is hard work so I'm not talking about you lack discipline and you're lazy with your bible reading not talking about that talking about if it's dry dusty boring if if you literally are opening and going just words just rubbish just boring there is something off there he is not there and I wanted to be helpful in some of these things so I have got a few bibles to give away so Jeremy I hope you're ready if you have a teenager in your home that could do with a new bible or you are a teenager online tonight so I know we've had some of the teens dialing in and you think I could do with a new Bible. This is a beautiful, it's a new living one. It's really nice to read. It's, it's grey, so it's a bit funky. I like that. Um, you would benefit from having one of these. So I'm going to ask you to whack your name in the chat now. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. So 10, 9, 8, 7, Six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, Jeremy, tell us who's got the Bible. This is a teen Bible. Right, so that number is number two, and it is Sarah Douglas. Lovely. Enjoy. One of your teens will love that. If you're struggling to read the Bible and you think I could do with a bit of a help, these are brilliant. This one's on Luke. So these are Fillmore. They, they just help when you're reading alongside a book in the Bible. So this one's on Luke. If you're starting out in the Bible, this is a great gospel and a great book to go alongside it. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds if you'd like that or you'd like to get it and give it away. 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Jeremy, who's having that? Right, that is number three. So this is the Magnes. Lovely, nice. Okay, I've got two kids' Bibles. These are both brilliant. Jesus Storybook Bible, Phil read from this tonight. 
absolutely brilliant this has helped me no end in familiarizing myself with stories and just her language is beautiful and then we've got the illustrated children's bible is this a lion's one osborne one i'm going to put those two together and you might want one for your kids and give one away or you might just want to take both of them and give them away so i'm going to give you 10 seconds so 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 Who's having those, Jeremy? Right. That is lucky number six, which is... Ooh, hold on. Ooh. Oh, give me three seconds. Yep, that would be Gemma. Lovely. Gemma Buck. Lovely, good. So he's not here in dead dry boring bible reading that is not where jesus lives he's not here in lifeless powerless christianity if you are living a lifeless powerless christianity if you look around you and see christians that are lifeless powerless that isn't where he is he's not there he's risen which means Christianity takes on a whole different form. It doesn't mean we never suffer, we never struggle, we never, but it does mean that we live risen. We live, we live with the spirit of God in us. It does mean that we face things differently, that we live differently. There is something different about those who love and serve a risen Lord Jesus. I would encourage you not only to live like that, to be full of the spirit of God, but also if you see around you, those who are not, get stuck in, help out, find out what's going on, work out a way that we can get Jesus into that. And if you don't know Jesus and you're looking around you, please look at men and women who look like they know him, who look like they're risen. Like, like please look at them and look at God. He's not in legalistic, rule-keeping, pious faith. So that was what was going on with the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees at the time. They had this kind of pious, rule-keeping, legalistic kind of faith. He's just not there. He even described those people as, as basically dead, whitewashed tombs. He's just not there. He's not there in legalism. He's not there in pious, I'm better than everybody else kind of faith. He's just not there because he's risen. Such a beautiful saviour. He's not there in polite, politically correct religion, which is tricky for us in this day and age, because he doesn't inhabit that. That's not where God lives. If you look at his life, he, he was all the time cutting against things that, that, that people just weren't allowed to. He was outspoken in his actions about women, about race, about uh, he just was because actually he doesn't live in a politically correct, safe environment. We have to watch ourselves on that, that we don't live there as risen people living like we're dead living like we're like like we're not inhabiting the, the purposes and the plans of God 
He's not there in great moral teaching. And you will get some moral, moralistic kind of politically correct, culturally relevant types of preaching teaching. It's everywhere. He's not there. He's there in truth. He's there in the word being preached. And this, again, we've, we've just got to cling on to that. We've just got to hold on to that. We've just got to make sure that in our attempt to reach the world around us, we don't behave like we're still in the tomb. We don't behave like we're dead. We don't behave like, like the stone is in front and we're somehow diluted down, hidden away. But he is controversial. He tells the truth. We need to make sure we live like that also. I've been reading this absolutely super book. So this is called The Reset. Um, it's about worship and worship teams and worship leaders, but really it's about us. If you know Jesus, you are first and foremost a worshipper. If I had to introduce myself as a title, I'd probably say I'm a worshipper or I'm a follower. Like that, that those two words best describe who I am and what I do. I'm a worshipper. That is my first primary calling. And not not a worshipper as in I need a worship team and I need a stage and I need a I'm a worshipper in spirit and in truth, in my home, in my life, in my parenting, in my marriage, in, in everywhere that I am, I'm a worshipper. This book has literally just been speaking to my heart over and over again. I have two copies. If you would like a copy of this, pop your name in the chat. You, you will feel convicted. You will feel so stirred. Your heart will be so delighted to read something that just says basically this is all about Jesus it's lovely every chapter I'm just like holding it going yes I, I love it I think it's got so much good to say to us so even if you don't get it go out and buy it so Jeremy can we have two two winners please sure so oh hold on one more a late entry oh a late entry and the late entry gets it. Jax Nixon gets Ooh, one. Cheeky. Right. And Sally Senior gets the second. Yeah. Oh, good. Good books. And then I'm going to do two more. So this one is a book about discerning the voice of God written by Priscilla Shira. Oh, she is outstanding. So great book on hearing God's voice. Who would like this? So 10 seconds. 10 Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Right. The number two is. Oh gosh, where am I starting? Mark and Anne Crane. Oh, good. And then this one I'd like to give away. It's a bit of an oldie, but it's a classic. I love it. So he chose the nails, Max Licardo. He's a brilliant storyteller, but just opens up like the cross. I, I, I try to read this every Easter, to be honest. It's beautiful. No, um, Rachel, so uh, 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four, 
three, two, one. All right, that's number four. And number four is Dave Bowen. Lovely, you will enjoy that, Dave Bowen. So he, Jesus, is not here. He's not here. He's basically, he basically lives elsewhere now. He's not in the grave. We need to stop behaving like that. He's not in the grave. Therefore, Christianity takes on a completely different form because he is not dead. He's alive. It, it changes everything for us. And then lastly, where has he risen to? So he is given the name, the Bible says, which is above every name, that at his name, Jesus, every knee must bow. You see, Christianity must have an empty manger. You can't, you can't have a, a faith that, that, that follows a baby that, that is, is stuck in a stable somewhere. It must have an empty manger. You can't worship there. You can't stay there. It must have an empty cross. So you can't, you can't worship a God who's dead. Like you can't stay there. It's really important that we look there. It's really important that we go there, but we can't stay there. And, and we can't have a tomb that is occupied. They all must be empty. The manger, the cross and the tomb. He can't stay in any of them for us to be saved. We have to have the sinless saviour who came to earth, who conquers death. He must be born a man by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible's really clear about that, to die in our place. But he also must live that sinless life in order to be a spotless sacrifice on the cross. But then he must conquer death and all the, the horrors of sin, and he must overcome it in order for us to, in order for us to come out of the grave. He, he has risen to life and life eternal, and he's risen to take his place at the right-hand side of the Father. The Bible's really clear about that. That is where he sits, that is where he stands with all power and all authority over all the nations of the world. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, outstanding. He didn't just come out of the tomb. He now sits in, in his rightful place with all authority over heaven and earth. So what it means for us to live risen. I'd like to encourage you that if you do not know Jesus, you should sign up for one of our Alpha courses you should get yourself on an alpha course and you should ask as many questions as you've got. And you might be like me and you live with millions of questions that you just need to go somewhere and just go, please, can you help me get some of these out? You might benefit from hearing other people's questions and answers. Whatever it is, you need to get yourself on alpha or you could give your life to Jesus right now. So Alpha is brilliant. Preaching is brilliant. The Bible is incredible. Men and women get saved all the time because God just says, come now. And this might be your time now. You might think to yourself, do you know, what? I've heard this a few times now. I'm ready for this. You might be in a position where you think I could do with recommitting my life because I've been a bit 
living a bit like I'm in a tomb, living a bit like I'm dead. Actually, I, I realized tonight that I need to repent. If you want to repent and give your life to Jesus, he'll, he'll take it. He will offer forgiveness. He will offer a way through, a way out because he's the savior. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. It's what he does. So if you are ready to do that, you, you should do that right now. You should stop listening to me. You should kneel down on the floor and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. Help me live risen. And he will do that for you in a moment. And we will help you work that out. To live risen, you need to sort out your Bible reading. You shouldn't be opening up a book that is dry, dull, boring. You need to sort that out. And so I'm going to suggest right now, if someone from the leadership team could just pop my mobile number in the chat. If you live a life where your Bible reading is dry, boring, just just rubbish. We want to help you get that sorted out. So I have already got a few little plans of some Zoom training that we're going to do to help people have breakthrough in reading their Bibles. So if you would like to access some of that, I'd love you to just drop me a message. So my number will appear in the chat. You literally need to WhatsApp me and just go help me help me out. I really want to get this sorted out. It's no good. It's no good to open that book and not encounter the risen Lord Jesus. I feel like if we do nothing else as a church, but we help people encounter Jesus in the Bible, we will have done a good job. So you need to look up to live risen. You need to look up daily. Worship is our way through everything and not a worship team, not meeting together, not a big stage, not a big band, not actually worshipping in spirit and truth in our front rooms, in our bedrooms, out in the parks, living lives where we worship. No one should need to help you worship. So I say that carefully. I love Matt and Phil, I think we have an outstanding worship team. I, I think you guys are like, like outstanding and I'm grateful to God every day that you move to come here. However, if our worship is reliant on them, we're doing it all wrong. But they should enable it and help provide places where we can. But we as a people should worship God in spirit and truth because he loves us and he's rescued us which means I can do it on Zoom, I can do it in my kitchen, my lounge, my bedroom, in the park, where, wherever I am, I can whack on some worship music, I can sing, I can dance, even if it's out of tune, I can do it. And I want to stir us to live risen, to look at him daily. I, I've made two deals with God. The first one is I will not go to sleep at night until I have met him in my Bible. So I've been doing that for years. I basically, there is not a day where I don't read my Bible um, because I've made a deal with God. I made a deal with God that I would stay married. I, there isn't a day where I'm going to like not do that. that like, I literally, that's what I do. I also have said to God, I will make sure that I sing, that I sing something and I honour you. So every day I get something on that honours him and sing. And, and they're two simple things that I've made a decision about and I've just said, that's what I'm doing. And so I don't end my day having not read my Bible and I don't end my day having not sung a song that honours him and worships him. You can do that. 
need to belong to a church to live risen you need to belong to a church that is alive and not dead if you are part of a church that is dead dry you need to find one that's risen you need to find one that's spirit-filled alive you need to get stuck in and be a part of it and then lastly i'm going to say this really carefully you need to bring out of the tomb all that you are good at. And as I was prepping this, I felt God say to me, there are a few people that are basically have been in the tomb too long. They've been behaving like they're dead. They've not been using their gifts. They've not been speaking up. They've not been, they literally have been in the tomb. And because he's not in the tomb anymore, you shouldn't be there either. You should not be in a place where dead people are. You should be out living and you should be making use of the gifting that God has placed in you, in the influence that you have and the places that you have been given. It is time to fold up the grave clothes and come out. It's time to live risen. It's time to open your Bible and believe what it says. It's time to sing his songs. It's time to move in your gifting. So I hope that God has spoken to you in some way, shape or form tonight. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to hand over to Stuart. I think he's going to pray and we are going to close there. He is not dead. He has risen. Therefore, we rise with him. We come out of the tomb. We also follow in his footsteps. Amen.